Bell, say something funny. <laughs> Why is it me? <laughs> is that my purpose here? <laughs> to fill the awkward pauses? <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's why I asked. <laughs> so what am I funny? Am I clowning you? Am I gonna amuse you? Anyhow. But no, you you were talking about how um, you know this was your first foray into doing the motion capture. Yeah, and it was for the crow. They called him uh, the script originally. It was just like space pirate, <laughs> space thief. So I could, yeah. So that's why I was like, this is a job I think I can do. Anyway, so that you know, and now I've been doing it. Sh- 2011 is when I started. So eight oh my years. Gosh. Yeah, we, we've been at it a while. So, was it weird putting the uh, mo- the full motion capture suit on for the first yeah, time? Yeah, for the first time coming it's a out of like, the room yeah. and it's like, how do I look, guys? <laughs> You're like, I didn't realize I didn't realize I was on Hogan's run. <laughs> yeah. It's a little, it's a little breezy. <laughs> you forget about it right away. You, you got work to do, and everybody else is dressed just like you. And how did you develop the voice for uh, for that character? I, you know, um, I kind of found him after seeing some of the renderings, mm-hmm. um, and he changed a bit. Uh, he changed a bit. So for the the first iteration, um, Crow was a little more. He had a little more swagger. He was closer to like a Cade Six feel. In fact, a lot of the 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 humor and stuff that Cade Six have was originally the Crow, um, and then. When they switched him to just being like the prince, um, mm-hmm. I gave him more of an effect kind of quality and almost like a, you know, mid-Atlantic, almost not British, but like a little in the middle of the water somewhere where he's just a heightened English. So that was where that kind of came from when I, you know, when they, I saw these new lines where he's, he's bagging on the guardians, you know, thinks he's, he's very self-important. So that's where his, the new voice kind of, came in and i don't know if they'll ever release some of the old stuff it would make me really happy actually that stuff can oh, you some of the previously recorded stuff oh my that... god yeah it would be cool oh, like maybe let's... someday when the when everything's you know everything's in the can and they've done their final you know bit on this game maybe they'll do some sort of like the making of that'd be really I would, cool i would love that i would love that person was some of it part of the original release uh we, when we saw the first release of destiny we saw like a snippet of the the crow in the wild with the guardian. Yeah. Out here in the wild, this is how we talk. Yeah. And what was weird is I didn't know that they were going to put that weird flangey thing on my voice until I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So they were still trying to figure out what is an Awoken sound like then. That's, I mean, that's how much it changed. Like, they didn't know. So so they weren't sure, like, what the, like, cultural affect was going to be. Yeah, I mean, I think decisions were still being made on that kind of thing. Even though they they had 2,000 years of history written for this game, um, when it gets down to like, oh, now we're dealing with a human being behind the microphone, but what do we want that race to sound like from now on? Like, I don't know. I want it to sound like... So I I think, you know, 
I don't think it's the first video game that's probably right. seen changes. You know, no, not at all. It's such a long process. From a, um, I mean, from a production standpoint, I mean, were they fairly easy to to work with and whatnot? Oh yeah, they, that whole crew over at Bungie is awesome. I mean, if you haven't had a chance to mediate them or whatever, they're just it's a really nice group of people. Yeah, we we we've actually had one of their senior um, character artists on our show a, a couple times. Oh, um, and yeah, they are. Very, very open and very uh, good people. Every interaction we've had with them. Yeah, so. good folks, man. Um, now, um, hold on. Are you really going to let all of that pass and not actually ask him to do the voice? I'm getting there. So. Oh, sorry. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. We'll do. It. I'll do it later. Yeah. Okay. When I'm in all the right. mood. I'm kidding. <laughs> Let him build up to it. Maybe he'll close out the podcast. Let me get into the mood. (laughs) Oh, no. Buy him dinner first. Jeez. You have an ace of spades. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Was it really? It was a gift. Bring out my hunter. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Now, I mean, I... I guess the next question is an obvious question, but um, an obvious answer. But I guess I kind of want to hear in your own words, like how important are like not just like Brian O'Neill, um, the actor and the craftsman, just as like a person. Like how, how important are are the arts to you? are the arts to me? The arts, yeah, extraordinarily. And I have two sons who are going through the school system, public school system, mm-hmm. and to see things like my son, there was no choir school there just wasn't money for a choir and that was where i was able to sing in front of my peers for the very first time you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and that you know you never know who's sitting in your classroom you know you never know what future star what future lies ahead for each one of these people you know Um, they may discover their gifts late in life or or you know not till their senior year so i i don't know it's sad to see you know society the president currently who doesn't seem to you know he took away the national endowment for the arts or threatening to anyway so it's 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 hard to watch that kind of thing happening Mm -hmm. because i think there is nothing like music to bring communities together and there's nothing that can get into the inner parts of quicker than music and the arts um it's it makes us so human it it unifies all cultures i mean if you're not into the arts yourself like as a, a performer I'm pretty sure everybody's had a point where a song or a piece of music or some kind of art has, has affected them in a way that you don't expect it to. And it's connected Absolutely. you to somebody else. And that's no, I, I definitely agree. And they say, it, I read something the other day. It was like, I think Felicia Rashad or something said it, but before you walk, you dance, before you speak, you sing like babies, like they'll stand up against the thing and they'll just be like bopping even before they can walk. Yeah. So like yeah. my son does that. And singing. Totally. My son's five. He still does it. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't go away. Okay. <laughs> I'm 28 and I still do it. So. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> In a diaper. Uh, how old's your son? He's, uh, he's going to be um, uh, a year and a half in a couple days. <laughs> he, he's, he's a running toddler. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's that's like when you can't 
when they're portable and you can still just kind of set them down and they don't do anything, yeah. those are pretty good. Those are pretty decent days. <laughs> Sleeping isn't that great, but then once they start yeah. running, you're like, oh and then my they God. start having opinions. It's just the whole thing. <laughs> we go for like you, you celebrate their first steps, and then about a week later, you're like, oh, can we go back, please? <laughs> Our gates, our chains, and collars a thing. Is that okay? Can we do that? <laughs> How do we keep this kid? Awesome. Um. Yeah. Now, how um, now I'm 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 a big fan of theater, so I'm curious, like how how you went about forming, doing doing some of the on and off Broadway productions as well. Um, I got lucky enough to be uh, part of the the initial cast uh, in Seattle of, of Disney's Aladdin. They came out of town. They wanted to try out this new script. They weren't sure what they had. So they came out to the Wild West out here and they, where they can kind of get away from the pressure of New York. They came out here on purpose to kind of be away from that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they tried out the show here and I got cast uh, in that show. So, hey, yo! Hey! We got a new face. <laughs> hey, we have Dave. Uh-huh. Hey, look at you and your Windows update. Hey, he's all updated. How's it going? Good. So anyway, nice. to, to finish that, I, I just, uh, I'm, uh, so one thing led to another. Once I got cast in Seattle, they kept me on and I was able to join them on Broadway. They called me, you know, it was like five years ago. Five years ago this month, I made my Broadway debut. Wow. It's um, such an awesome feeling, I bet. It was amazing. It was uh, hard to explain. Hard to even explain. <laughs> but you're on the biggest, you know, the biggest stages in the world where right. artists, artists come from all over the world. Well, I mean, that... Um, uh, that that format for you know for for acting i can i can only imagine is so much more um exhilarating you know having that live interaction with an audience yeah you know because i mean like you could nowadays you know act act in or or be part of a movie production or tv show and like i know you go you release it and you just kind of like sit and wait for the reaction right right But, but like when you're there in live theater i mean it's I mean, there's it's every night. Like it. There's right. a new there's a new cast member. It's the the audience. Right. They respond differently, so you respond differently. Right. But and the other thing it is, uh, aside from exhilarating, is exhausting because you do you're doing eight shows a week. Right. All through the holidays, there is no break. Right. 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 So it's it's six days a week, eight shows a week. It's uh, it's the toughest job in show business. I, you know, um, even the opera doesn't do that. The circus doesn't do that. Like it's a, it's brutal and you have to be an athlete and a, you know, and an artist to be able to maintain that pace on Broadway. So kudos to all my, my peeps out there who are doing it. It's yeah, it's tough business. Back in high school, I did a couple plays and, uh, I think we had like, six shows in like three days and at, at the end of that I, everyone was just spent oh yeah laid out all all out there that's definitely so what's your name who that joined late i don't know your name this is uh hatchy dave how do you spell I'm that here <laughs> uh think of like hatchback and then like hatch like a little hatchback and the dave that's oh okay, okay. <laughs> gotcha gotcha what? i always drive hatchback <laughs> nice i'm a wagon guy myself <laughs> Brandon. He like drives it. a Chevrolet Celebrity. <laughs> no, I've got a 65 Mercury Wagon. And then I've got a uh, 
two Passat wagons, and my son has oh, a wagon. It's like oh, I like those. Wagon families. Nice. See, if that was in the Northeast, it'd be nothing but held together by rust and duct tape. But, oh. yeah, we have <laughs> you know some right. on the road. You know out. that's right. Yeah. Bondo, duct tape. And out on the can. West Coast, up in Seattle, it's like... It's still, you know, it can get rough up here, but I have learned the hard way to not buy a car that's from the Northeast or oh. from, from a place that has salt on the roads because... Don't buy a car from rough. Canada unless it's from Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> Do they use salt on the roads up in Canada? I know this is a topic, but it's... No, it's they just use my... bigger tires, probably. Yeah. <laughs> bigger tires, salt, sand, chain. Moose. <laughs> moose Reindeer. salt. Right? Yeah. Reindeer. Right? <laughs> yeah. Or just jump on a moose Bison. and go to work. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I picture every time you talk about going to work. You're on a moose. This is like a sleigh of like 10 yaks. <laughs> well, being you super Canadian... outside the office, you go in and you see your clients and you get back on your moose. Being it's super so Canadian, I actually to went to school with moose skates moose. once. <laughs> what? Stop. I went to school with skates once I went, as a kid. Uh, ice skates. Yeah, ice skates. We had a <laughs> yeah. big ice storm and kids just went to school with ice skates. That's see, see, we have to specify when we say skates if it's like road skates. Or, but in Canada, they're all ice skates. <laughs> yeah, right. What do you mean, more kind of skates? <laughs> like, yeah. there's wheels. more than one type of skates? <laughs> what do you mean, wheels? <laughs> it's the only time. Uh, one of our early episodes, JL was actually late for one. And he goes, I'm sorry, you know, I'm late and this and that. Uh, my, you know, we hit a moose on the way home and. It's the only place where I ever heard somebody reference, like, hitting a moose or worrying about, like, there's a lot of moose out there tonight, so you guys got to <laughs> be careful driving. So we went pretty slow. It's like, where do you live in Canada? <laughs> it's funny. It's to so hear funny you. because we, we all just took it as gospel. We all just like, <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> the story checks out. Speaking of that, a couple months ago, one of my f- friends actually hit a moose. <laughs> and then the moose hit him back. <laughs> but uh, I'm starting to think it's code for something else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to know. But again, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Um, we're super glad that you're here. Um, and he's but, super glad he's here now, too. <laughs> I am. Again. Um, but kind of moving along, we, we are going to, for a mental health topic this week, we're going to be talking about uh, seasonal affective uh, disorder and seasonal depression. Uh, Dr. Yoku is going to give us an awesome uh, character analysis on The Incredible Hulk. And um, but before we move on to our mental health topic, uh, what, what have we all been playing, watching, and listening to this week? <laughs> Oh, I've been playing Destiny, getting back with the uh, season of The Drifter. Okay, nice. So uh, I've played a couple games with Gambit Prime, and I'm actually really liking it. And Reckoning is really, really fun. Now, Brandon, do you play games as well? Um, No, I don't find enough time to do that. And that was never really my bag. I mean, my son plays a lot. And I'm trying to find figure out what he's playing right now. For a while there, it was... um, Fortnite. Uh, Fortnite forever, but then he just switched to Apex. Just... This is everybody's. Story. What is it? Apex, Apex Legends. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as soon as he said Fortnite, I'm like, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, I know what all the kids are doing. The other day, he was like, "Yeah, Fortnite's dumb now," and I was like, "What? <laughs> now what?" 
<laughs> and then I saw him playing it again. It's not dumb. It just depends on who he's, you know, playing with too. Like if he has a friend that only has a certain game on a certain console, then he'll switch. And right. oh yeah, my daughter is torn. Like one day she's like all about Fortnite, and the next day she's mad at Fortnite and she's playing Apex, and she tells me all about it and why she is. Are so you hurt. saying teenagers change their minds a lot? Uh, that was not in the sure. Preteen. Uh huh. But yeah, she's uh, yeah, I know, I know what you're going through with him because that's how it is. It's just yeah, back absolutely. and forth. They don't know what to do anymore. That'd be the coolest, the newest, whatever. But he still he goes back to uh, he goes back to Destiny for the big, you know. Anytime I'm in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, Fortnite has been kind of like you just hear him scream from the basement like, what? What happens? You can't believe he one-shotted me from the plane or whatever. Like, he'll just start yelling. See, the last time I played Fortnite, there were no planes. And now I'm seeing clips on social yeah, I, media of somebody hanging upside down from an airplane and sniping somebody from across the board. And it's like, when the plane, heck did they do that? Planes are old, planes? They, they got hoverboards now. Hoverboards? <laughs> Hoverboard. Enough. And it's, Enough epic it's actually pretty cool. <laughs> They're going back to the future now, aren't they? I say, are there back yes, to the future exactly. skins? Because if not, I'm upset. Right? Give me a DeLorean. <laughs> We're going no for need, Fortnite. Right? My, my question is, I, I don't know if you can say anything about this, but I know the entire uh, Destiny community was like bugging out about a month and a half ago when they saw your character pop up and come back to life <laughs> out of nowhere. From Surprise, bitches! <laughs> <laughs> Here! <laughs> for real. He's dead, but not dead. <laughs> oh my god, he's always... Oh, that was... That was that was great, and that ghost uh, has quite the lore on him. Do you you don't know the name of the ghost yet? This was a question that we were going back and forth a little bit earlier. Do you? Uh, well, yes, yes. Was the it one, is what everybody's yep. It didn't show up in any scripts. I can say that. So pulled, but pulled pork. There yep. it is. Yep. Or she? At the, I don't know. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, You're do right. we know? We don't. No, know. We don't know we yet. Know. Who, whoever was doing the animation and everything or writing the lore was eating a pork pulled sandwich at that time. It was like, <laughs> we need to name this ghost. It's ghost number 17. Uh, pulled pork. There we go. Boom. <laughs> and then there was inevitably someone else be like, why aren't you eating brisket? God. <laughs> I think maybe they united those two so that in case Aldrin isn't likable enough, nobody will want to get rid of pulled pork. You're right. <laughs> exactly. Like, who wants to do that? Any other name but that? Now I'm really upset. Like, oh, I know. Well, there was no name for a ghost in the script, so I don't. You know, they never show up. We're making it official right now. Then, it's okay, just, it is pulled pork. Yeah. Done. <laughs> done. I just That's sent a text to everybody at Bunker. I'm like, it's done. No. That's not the way it works at all. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> Nice. Well, I um I actually took uh Noel's um self care tip advice from the last episode, and I kind of did like a little unplug. Um, I'm proud. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I like completely, not completely, but like I straight away from social media, um, like the the Discord and stuff. I made sure I like checked in like once or twice a day, but like, um, and my normal thing like with my gaming is like I do it after my wife and kids are in bed and like, so I spent like the last two weeks, 
um, last two weeks, just not touching it whatsoever and reading and just, you know, catching up on other stuff. And like, I went on like a, some of my, my favorite movies as a kid binge. Like I watched blues brothers and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> the original uh, blues brothers. You can't oh, be so, uh, Jim Belushi. Um, but yeah. And I, um, I got a, a book I ordered a little while ago, uh, by Peter Hart. It's called the last battle. And it's a, it's a nonfiction book, but it's about world war one. But like, it's a section of the war, like after we stopped fighting in trenches. So it's like really interesting. I'm kind of a history nerd. So, <laughs> Love it. um, but yeah, um, um, do we want to uh, roll into our mental health topic, uh, Dr. Goku? Sure. Uh, this week you had mentioned that we were going to be talking about, uh, seasonal affective disorder. Uh, it's also called depression with seasonal patterns. Uh, it's a condition that comes and goes based on the seasonal changes. Uh, typically it appears in the fall and goes away in the spring or the summer. However, there are certain people that have it inverted. So they have the winter blues, which is, it's uh, stereotypically called in the summer. And uh, the reason why it happens is not really well known to this point. Um, they, a lot of people say that it's due to a lack of engagement in typical hobbies that people tend to have, uh, where it be outdoor activities due to the weather because it it can get cold <laughs> and uh, seasonal affective disorders tend to happen more with people that do have colder climates. So the more up north you go, the more the prevalence of seasonal affective disorder kind of rises. And this is also due to uh, the sun and um, our body's reaction to the sun. So we can talk about vitamin B12, we can call uh, talk about melatonin and serotonin, and how the sun affects our circadian rhythm. Uh, when uh, some people that are from either Alaska or Canada, from the Northwest Territories, the Yukon, or Nunavut, uh, or even people in Russia, where they do get night for uh, the better part of the day, or even months on end people tend to get more depressed because they have the a lack of sun. And typically we will recommend uh, that people uh, get a, um, a therapy lamp that does supplement a little bit of um, that type of sunlight. Uh, typically we ask people to, uh, if they're reading, turn it on for an hour and they kind of get that dose of, of vitamin and sunlight throughout the day. When it comes to a risk, um, about 10% of all reported cases of depression uh, will be made up of seasonal affective disorder. Around 15% of people will report at least one mild case uh, in their lifetime, and uh, 2 to 3% will report serious cases. And this is even more so if people have a family history uh, of depression or if they have any form of depression themselves. When we talk about symptoms of uh, seasonal affective disorder, they're very similar to depression in itself. Uh, they can feel depressed. Uh, they can be irritable. 
Uh, they can be more sensitive. Um, they can have difficulties with interpersonal relationships. Uh, they have drops in their energy levels. They can feel tired. Uh, they can feel lethargic. And they get into a loop and a spiral of thinking that tends to perpetuate the the symptom. Um, how I'm curious about like how the um, diagnosis for something like this occurs. Um, because I mean, I mean, when like most people um, in that climate, yeah, you know, I, I I would just assume that they kind of wouldn't think of this as a possible diagnosis or something like that. Well, it, the the diagnosis tends to come and go with the seasons. And someone that suffers from seasonal affective disorder is going to be a recurrent pattern right. through the years. When we look with uh, major depression, it's going to be in a specific time frame for let's about two years-ish. But with seasonal affective disorder, it's going to be three to five, six months, and then six months of being okay and kind of looping around. Right. Do that change? Yeah. Those of us up here in the Northwest, man, we, we comfort one another about our, <laughs> our seasonal affective disorder. It's like, it's, uh, it's real up here, especially with a lot of rain that we get in the Northwest. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very, we gloomy. talk, yeah, we talk about it a lot and winters hit hard. And it, though it's not like snow, snow actually more enjoyable at times because it kind of brightens everything and, you know, it's not when you get it you know, for a couple of days. Yeah. yeah. When you get it like here in when Wisconsin. You get it, oh, no, 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 no. I'll forget about it. But up, yeah, in, in Seattle, it's kind of a, yeah, it's like a, oh, look, we just got a new toy like for a while and then goes away. It's rare that we get snow up here, but we definitely comfort one another about, you know, we're like, oh, it's probably because it's raining again. That's why you're bummed out. It's been raining for three weeks. It's normal to be bummed out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so I had a question about, because we take vitamin D mm -hmm. all the time up here. Yeah, D and B12. Yeah, and B12. How how in the world does our body, like maybe this is out of the range of your knowledge or whatever, but how does, like how, it feels like a very Superman thing that we're taking power from the sun to do something for ourselves, for human beings. But how are we getting that vitamin from the sun? How the hell does that happen? Uh, that's kind of out of my scope for sure, but typically it's with the UVAs and UVBs. Uh, all the light that comes from the sun, uh, where it be through plants or for humans, we take that type of energy, but it also ha has a chemical reaction within us. So our circadian rhythms are tied to the sun. Hmm. Right. And it, it'll, our, our circadian rhythms are going to change depending on the seasons, and it's also going to change depending on the location. Uh, right. An example I give to a lot of my clients is typically in our bedrooms, it's dark, the curtains are drawn, uh, and we get woken up by an alarm. And we wake up at, say, 7 a.m., you get woken up by that alarm, and you're still really, really tired. But you go out camping in a tent, and you go to bed later than you would normally go, but you wake up a lot earlier because you're waking up with a right. so You're not waking up within a jolt and within um, a stage of sleep, but you're waking up with the sun, so you're gently waking up outside of um, the cycles. 
and you feel much more refreshed. And the, the waking up sensation is, is a chemical reaction within us? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Doesn't wow. it create serotonin? That's what keeps your levels kind of like leveled. <laughs> uh, sun will help with serotonin for sure. And the vitamins don't help with that. I thought that's what they did. They kind of like help your serotonin levels to come. Well, they'll help with the, the serotonin, yes. The, the D and the B12. Just because if you're not getting enough sunlight, your, your body's going to be producing less vitamin D and B12. Just because you're not getting it from the outside. You guys know I deal with depression year round and then I deal with <laughs> Wisconsin winters. So, um, and so, like, those, basically, at this point, half of the year extra sucks um, because, you know, it is it is more gloomy. It's cold. I'm a very outdoor person to begin with. And um, I know in the winter, especially what I'll do is uh, I, have, I have really bad, like, sunlight does not come in this apartment well enough. Like, that's something mm-hmm. that, like, when I move, if I stay in Wisconsin, it needs to be a place with, like, the biggest window. Like, literally, for my mental state, I need big windows. To yeah. Southern exposure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, we need so, sunlight. Yeah. Because so what I'll do is when I do get, like, in the morning, I posted about this on Instagram before. Like, I'll be like, this is me laying in this tiny little strip of sun that's coming across the foot of oh, my yeah. bed. I'll, like, wake up over here. I'll flip around to the foot of the bed, curl up <laughs> in sunlight with my dog. I'm like, I will stay here and soak this up <laughs> as long as I can, which is usually about 10 minutes, and then it goes away. <laughs> get a luminotherapy lamp. Yeah, but see, they, they're expensive. <laughs> well, you can I get really some on Amazon for, like, 150 bucks. That's expensive. It's just not <laughs> expensive. expensive. It's, it's Jesus doctor. Uh, that's expensive. <laughs> like, I, trust me, they're on my wish list even. Cause I'm like, I need, I need this in my life. But like lately what I've done too is I've got a lot of, uh, plants. So like for my birthday, my husband got me a big shelf and we were just filling it with plants. Cause that also like, it's not the same as sun, but it helps. It's like bringing the, the outside inside mm-hmm. yeah. and even the middle oh. of winter like it makes it like when the sun hits those plants in the morning i'm like oh okay i'm okay for like these five minutes i'm you know and then i go outside to take the dog out and then there's ice and snow up to my knees oh. still <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't have any. a good example of how dependent we are on the sun is people that work night shifts people that been right. that have been working God, night shifts know. for years you can tell. Oh, yeah. um, I, I can attest to that. <laughs> I Every time that I shift, uh, when I was in the Army, every every about six months, I would be given the night shift for about, nine, it was about three months, 90 days. And I would go into, like, almost full depression. Every every time I went to that, my like, my psyche would not accept it. Like, it came to, like, I, I tried to function the same way that I did, but it came to a point where all I did was sleep for 14 hours, get up, go to work for eight hours, come back and sleep, and I did nothing else except for eat every now and then. And it was super unhealthy, and I I remember gaining a lot of weight during those periods and just feeling crappy and sad, and I did not care about anything. It was like the worst, except for work. I cared about work because it was like the only thing I had going on. But I, I I hate night shift. I would never take another job in night shift. It just affects me that bad. <laughs> kind of like those trips that I do, they're bad for me. I don't like being gone like that. And that's the, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, so when you're dealing with depression in general, 
getting up in the morning is one of those big struggles as it is, right? Like some days you celebrate when you get up out of bed and you go take your shower and you start the day. And when you've got the gloomy, cold weather outside and you don't have the sun helping with that, like I would definitely say I spend way more time in bed in the mornings through the winter months than I do any other time. It's not, And it's not the, oh, it's cold outside of the blankets thing. It's literally I facing the day is a lot harder when you don't have that like, oh, I could step outside and enjoy you know, a few Absolutely. minutes of nice weather. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, yeah. it, 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 you lose that drive a little bit and mm-hmm. it and sucks. I don't know why I'm still living in Wisconsin. You guys. And, and that's <laughs> why people that live very North, like I mentioned, Alaska, uh, the, the upward territories in Nunavut in Canada, the rates of depression are extremely high when it comes to the three months of no sun at all. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I, now outside of, uh, how much, uh, you know, vitamin D and sunlight play into it and this and that. What about the, uh, in this time of season of the year, uh, the social interaction aspect? Cause a lot of people will stay indoors more because they don't want to go out in the cold. They don't want to go out, you know, and during the summer and warmer months, they'll meet at the park, they'll meet at the bar or here, there, they'll have a picnic. Everybody's more restricted indoors and the social interaction mm-hmm. also decreases too. More people who are social butterflies will seem to get more depressed in this and that in that time frame as well. It does play a, a big factor into it. I know uh, nowadays with technology, like we are right now, you know, the social interaction of, you know, Skype and this and that, but I think video games and this sort of media on platforms actually can help people in that situation to get that social stimulation in the colder months of the year. It can help, but it's not a substitute. Mm, uh, right. During our stream the other weekend, I, I talked about those four pillars of emotional regulation, right. which are sleep deprivation, uh, malnourishment, dehydration, and social isolation. So the, the social isolation one is very important. Humans are social creatures. We need to interact with people. Um, that's why being on night shift, one you, typically, you don't work with a lot of people, so you have very much less social interaction. Couple that with lack of sunlight plays a big part. But mm-hmm. even in the winter months, we tend to kind of hibernate a little bit more. We stay indoors. It's cold. It's dreary. Even in the Northwest, it's not the the funnest thing to go out in pouring rain. So people tend to stay inside. And they tend to do behaviors that exacerbate some of the other pillars so if we tend to stay inside, well, we're not drinking as much water. Uh, we're not eating as well as we could. So we're eating more junk food. Uh, we're typically sleeping less or sleeping more. That's kind of creating that imbalance. Mm-hmm. So one kind of feeds into the other, feeds into the other. So within the winter months, it's important for people to even push themselves to go out, even if it's cold, to go see friends, to go do activities, even though your body's saying, I just want to stay right here. And to add to kind of what Joe was saying of other aspects, uh, I mean, um, I think finances for, especially during the Christmas time and everything are a big factor. Like, uh, people, you know, they, that's when you start juggling your bills because you want to get those special presents and all this stuff and moving stuff around. And by the time of January, 
comes in, you're kind of like in a hole. Yeah. And it doesn't, like, this is tax time, so most people get relieved at this time, and most people kind of, like, put all their eggs in that basket, you know, like, yeah. we're just going to struggle through that time. But, you know, that <clears throat> that feeling like, oh, my God, like, if if this doesn't happen, I already spent all this money on Christmas, you know, like, I, I couldn't get my kid what they wanted or that kind of stuff, you know, like, uh, just finances. I think it's, like, a big aspect of mm-hmm. part of that. It's a big stress depression. Yeah. Because you basically have you have the the financial part and the not necessarily wanted social element of family. If you you know like there's the stress. <laughs> of, well, no, like, oh, I love that. No. Oh my god! Oh, I'm so glad none of my family listens to like any of this. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, realistically, like holidays are fun. Seeing family can be good, but there is also there is that stress, right? Of like travel and and. and entertaining people and all that kind of stuff mixed in with the financial element of it. And, uh, you know, that basically starts in November and goes through, I mean, at least like for my family goes through February, well, through March, because my kid's birthday is February, my birthday is March. So it's like, you know, and at the same time, you've got crappy weather and there's also like the travel stresses. I know for me, like I get really high anxiety in the car as it is. And then in the car, in the winter on Wisconsin roads, like I'm like I don't drive in the winter, you guys. Like I literally do not get behind the wheel of a car in in winter. I make my husband do all the driving because I just I would be like eh, the whole time, and um, you would uh, be like what? I said we're fine with you not driving then in the winter if you're not, not going to be yeah. safe. Oh, you no, don't feel yeah. safe. No, please, 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 no, <laughs> you know, it's a whole nother, like you said, it's another stressor kind of thing that's due to the weather. Like, you know, like once, even if it's raining really hard too, that's, that's more nerve wracking to, to drive in or to make plans in. And then, you know, it's not, it's not just the, oh, I don't want to deal with that. It's also like, there's that internal like anxiety alert that goes, nope, not worth going out in it either. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you're, you're, if it's hard enough to get out and deal with people on a, you know, if you're not feeling well, you're not feeling well about how you look or you're not feeling well about your skin in the winter, like all the things that can mm-hmm. come up and you're like, okay, I'm finally going to get out. And if it's crappy outside, you're like, that's the last thing I want to deal with. Forget it. I'm not going. And on top and of that, you, you got like flu yeah. season too. So you're probably also like physically sick half of the time yeah (laughs) this is not a fun time of year no the the other side of that corner when it comes to family like uh first i I don't get to see my family every holiday i I see them like maybe every three or four years and i miss them so i imagine a lot of people out there too have to deal with that too so like uh you see the pictures you know like uh, all my family's in puerto rico so they like always together and during christmas and all this stuff they call me and everything but it's not the same i'm not there so it's another factor that i imagine a lot of people probably go through it i think we should just boycott the holidays and winter all together and (laughs) (laughs) so let's just when you get older you start hating say what he said, let's just all go to Puerto Rico with Dave. This yeah! Cool. Oh, man. Let's do that. 
Your family say, wouldn't mind all of us just showing up for Christmas, right? No, I, they would not. I bet you they, they wouldn't. Be like, show yeah. up. We got some food. Let's feed these people. Oh, they would love it. I like this one. Just I might walk not in. I know, dang. in with them. <laughs> just walk in and be like, do I smell empanadas? My <laughs> uh, mom would be like, yes, you do. <laughs> from wisconsin to puerto rico i think that's your trip there it is there's the next that's move culture sh- like that's culture and weather shock right there i don't know like when i went on to florida for guardian con and i stepped off that plane and i breathed oh, in yeah. the humid air i was like <gasps> uh, yeah. <laughs> and, right, and that's what july or june yeah in the middle of july oh, yeah yeah about it <laughs> oh, I went down there in September. I, uh, me and my wife went on a cruise, uh, two years ago. We go on a cruise or on vacation every two years. But last time the port was in Miami and we got off the plane going from upstate New York, central New York, September weather, cool, crisp, you know, get off the plane six hours later. In Miami, Florida, those double doors open. It hits you in you the face so can. hard. Oh, turn yeah. around, go back in. Yeah, come to um, yeah. come to Atlanta in August. I mean, you you, you, oh. you just you open the door from like going to your house to your car. Like shower. Oh, now I need a shower. Yes, absolutely. In bleach. That's the problem. Is people are always like, oh well, if you if you have this issue with like the seasonal stuff in a place like Wisconsin, why don't you move somewhere that's warm all the time? And the problem is. It's very hard to find a place that won't, like, <laughs> fill my body now, some other it, It's not the warmth, it's the amount of sunlight. I don't, but I'm see, not trying to one-up. I'm going to, like, a puddle if I move anywhere else. I mean, that's, but, 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 I mean, that's always, like, a, a, a silly response to, uh, you know, when someone's facing an issue like that, like, a, a, a a, a Having location a, just moving is not going to fix it. A location fixes we that. Yeah. <laughs> right. One, it's expensive. Uh, Two, there's obviously more to it. Yeah. Than that. Also, there's My the whole like I, you know, it's yeah. not just the winter that makes me depressed. You guys, it's all year that just <laughs> emphasizes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Before we move, I don't want to one up everybody, but I'm about to. But when you when you open the doors of their plane, like in a place like Kuwait. Oh yeah. In August. <laughs> different. Oh my god. Completely different. It's like getting hit with hell in your yeah. face. It's that it, I've never worse. seen an airplane get so hot so quickly. And it's the heat is intense. It's it. Ah, yeah, you guys were talking about opening. You're taking doors a deep breath it, right it, now. Just <laughs> <laughs> thank God I'm not getting hit with that. Breathe in, man. Eat the nice, crisp moment. air. I remember it's that not even moment air. and like feeling something different. It just, I just went back to there. That was crazy. Um, um, Goku, did you have anything else on our uh, me- mental health topic? Uh, we pretty much went over everything uh, that I wanted to talk about. Uh, just to re- reiterate, uh, with seasonal affective disorder, main things to do is. Trying to eat properly, trying to drink enough water, making sure you're getting enough sleep, that you're not socially isolating, so you're going out with friends, you're doing activities, and this theater. is not, yeah, <laughs> this is just, theater. it's not just with um, seasonal affective disorder, but with anyone with a mental health uh, issue or not, it's something that's important to, to do. So I have a question real quick. Sure. To kind of wrap it and combine the worlds. Now, you were talking about this therapy light, right? Yeah. You can get. Is there a monitor 
that has the therapy light around the outside, so you can be playing Ooh. your games, but there's a therapy light on you. There quite possibly not, is, of like that, but I'm not sure. <laughs> oh my god, copyright, trademark, oh god. <laughs> right now, right? It's about to start writing it down. <laughs> Get after it, y'all. I do like this idea. You guys are the perfect group to make this happen. It would be. It would be a really good product. <laughs> Wait, you all heard that. <laughs> it is written in stone. Hell yeah, if you guys develop something. Verbal contract. I mean, I would think that wouldn't be terribly hard to do. The technology's there. You just have to build a light that could fit around maybe an existing situation. That like wouldn't... You get used to add it to a screen. Yeah, but if you could buy a monitor, that's yeah. where you that's where you do. But money's not what we're doing. We're trying to help people. <laughs> right. So maybe you know a bunch oh, of I like how it sounds like you're trying to convince. <laughs> <laughs> now look, you guys, for a small investment. Apparently Phillips are, are <laughs> prototyping one. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. Son <Damn. Out> of <laughs> No. Wow, you researched. I mean, that's that good. Really I'm really fast, glad. Doc. You see what what you do is is that you, you invite all your friends over to your house and you tell them about this light and then they sign up and then they have other people sign up. You're like, "Oh, okay. So this is Amway Global." It's <laughs> <laughs> a pyramid awesome. of some <laughs> Yes, it is shaped like a <laughs> Um Awesome. Well, um, Gogu, thank you so much for taking through, uh, seasonal no problem disorder and depression. Um, but we're going to move on to some, uh, some gaming news. Um, a lot of people are not happy about Anthem. Ooh. <laughs> no, There's a whole bunch of bugs. <laughs> they got a whole bunch of bugs. Um, and breaking consoles. I, I so- Sony was given a refunds for a bit. Yeah. Um, and Sony doesn't do that lightly. No, they they're they're big fans of money. Yeah, well, it's just in like, the like uh, the EULA for uh, the PlayStation Store that if you buy a game, it's non-refundable. Right, right, right. right. Even if you pre-order yeah. something, it's non-refundable through the the PlayStation Store. Right. I mean, unless you complain a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, Anthem breaking console is a good complaint. Unless the game literally breaks your. Yeah. Then maybe there's an argument there. That seems yeah. like a pretty rare thing because I've never heard of a game crashing a console before. I, I, I kind of read up on it a little bit. What happens is the game hard crashes to uh, the desktop, mm-hmm. and what it'll do, it'll hard crash to a point where it'll turn off the PlayStation, almost like you unplugged the PlayStation from the outlet. Which that makes oh. them very angry. And That's the PlayStation a- does not like that you do that. And, and if it does that a couple times, it can seize, seize it up. That seems like a pretty major oh, yes. bug <laughs> Maybe. right there. Yeah. I mean, I've never ever that before. What would I'm be curious. Kudos to that, that programmer. Code in, in there at all. I, exactly. Like, what, what code through that? I mean, for Well, and why on PlayStation only? That's what I'm most curious about is, like, because it should function about the same on Xbox, shouldn't it? But it's not It's not doing this on Xbox, It, it right? must be something within the code. It's just yeah. I mean, I guess PlayStation gets more angry. Like itself, the console itself gets more upset if you do. Like, even if I if I just leave it on for too long, not actually playing a game, it'll react the same way. It'll be like, oh, you know, things weren't shut down properly or whatever, and it yells at me the next time I turn it on. If you lose power to the house or something, it'll do that. (laughs) Yeah, but Xbox really do that. I mean, I can I can just yank the 
cord on that thing, and it's just like, whatever. Did you have fun getting the cord? (laughs) (laughs) Write a review. (laughs) Yeah, and and you know, as far as like the the hardware and software issues aside, but like the actual um, uh, experience for the people playing it is like, I think the the consensus from the people that I know at least has been like, it's lackluster. It's been so many things were promised or hyped up rather, and it's like not matching the experience they were looking for. And it's um, just fun to see the people who are like, they're, they're really enjoying it and they're sticking to it and they're sticking by it, which is like, it seems like a kind of small group of people. And then the majority of the other people are kind of like, well, yeah, I played it, but yeah. And so yeah. like, it's like this weird, like, I'm like, so what's the difference between the people who are really enjoying it? Like what's making is, are they mm-hmm. convincing themselves or do they actually enjoy it that much more than, Right, I mean, it has you know, a good like, solid core. The, the <laughs> flying in Anthem's really fun. The builds yeah. on on the the javelins look really I interesting. Free. I heard the main, like the actual campaign, is really good. But I, I haven't gotten it because Bioware games tend to hook me right from the get go. Even Andromeda, well, I mean, at first I mean, it, it hooked me, but well, well, this one just just can't well, get into it. Well, well, I mean, and I I, I guess that's what's most. Um, perplexing to me because like when you think about like the the game studios out there like bioware is like the the storyteller um and for whatever reason you know not everyone of course not um but like you know it it, it definitely seems to be that you know it's not clicking with as much people as they had anticipated with all the hype around it and whatnot um i'll I've already said it a couple times to myself and this and that. I'm going to wait two or three months before I really jump into well, Anthem. I'm still going to wa- get it. I'm waiting until it goes on sale again. And that's the other part of it, <laughs> is that it's already on sale. Well, the thing is... And people's I, not happy about it. <laughs> one of the things that I fell in love with, the franchise of Bioshock and Destiny, is the environment around playing it you know the world building that the designers and everybody created and experiencing that through the game i love interacting with the environment and seeing this i'll stop in like but in bioshock you're in a decrepit rundown underwater city named rapture i'll stop and look at the posters i'll look at the lights and this and that i'll just the amount of detail put into it anthem is an absolutely gorgeous game and the environment that they built is so expansive, it's unreal. I mean, it's it's a huge environment, and it's all, like, real time. So it's constantly moving and this and that. I, I just want to go and experience, and experience that. And the one thing in Destiny, uh, to compare it, is uh, just before Forsaken dropped, uh, I forget the mission, but you're on a Vex world, and it's all fields it's the past from uh mercury curse of osiris mercury uh with the the wheat fields and this and that and the purple and orange hues and everything it was a gorgeous environment anthem's environment is very tropical overgrown mountainous you know it's it's just gorgeous so i'm still gonna get it but i just want to wait until they iron everything out i think it's going to be a great experience down the road they just need to get on it i think like so when i when i was looking into getting it ahead of time because i played both the alpha and the beta and i was i very much enjoyed it i had a great time in it um and it was one of those 
when I looked at the full game, I went, I think what's probably going to happen is I'm going to end up playing the campaign, enjoy the story there, and then just go explore. Because any of the, like, the looter-shooter element of it has never been me. <laughs> it's why Destiny is harder for me lately, because it is more of that, and I just, that's not my, I like to play a game for the story and the experience and the beauty of it, and then the whole collecting stuff thing, just, it's not, I don't have that in me, I guess. And so Anthem's got a lot of that, but that also seems to be the part that people are very frustrated with, is like the the grind like they want grind but it's that element like the way it's being done is not keeping them entertained while they're accomplishing things and um i'm okay with that because i don't really care about that part i don't know it's that matter of do i want to spend 60 dollars to play this much of a game and be like okay that was good i'm good i'm done you know where it just it pulls me my mind sometimes when you can have like not that it's not worth it necessarily but you, you can have a game like um for me something like hellblade that is like so flushed out, so amazingly well done. And you can play it from start to finish and walk away and be like, holy crap, that was an experience. And that's priced at like half the price that something like Anthem is where, I mean, obviously what goes into it is different too. And there's, you know, the online element. And I get that. It's just, it's sad to me sometimes when I see a game that like, you can tell they're totally undercutting themselves compared to the other stuff that's out there that's making it big. When you you compare, Anthem. So when you look at the studio, Bioware, uh, and look at the, the real Bioware, not the, the subsidiary developer, which was Bioware Montreal, that did Andromeda. Mm-hmm. This was mm-hmm. the A-team Bioware that did Mass Effect 2. Not the same quality of game. Well, I mean, this is also a current, this is a trend in the, the games of service category of gaming right now. Um... You know, another EA studio, another collaborating studio with EA, like Dice, like the mm-hmm. Battlefield Five is just—it's a gorgeous game. It, it looks gorgeous. absolutely like they only well, they, 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 they only started the game with sixty percent, sixty percent of the maps that they should have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you mentioned Battlefield. Like third of the game. Battlefield is another game like Anthem that within a week or two. Got their prices got dropped in half. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that well, angered well, a lot well, of I people. Mean, well, I also know they also came out like the end of November, so I mean the the Christmas sale is right around the corner. So yeah. I mean that that was kind of inevitable. But but no, I completely agree. It's just uh, yes, yeah, so it's just, I don't know. I kind of look at it as a, a current trend of undercutting the the quality of the game. Yep. Aesthetics are very important. I like how things look. Um but that's not all to it. You want that experience. Like Bell was talking about, if I'm going to spend $60 on a game. It needs right. substance. <laughs> I remember a brand new Nintendo game was like 15 bucks <laughs> when I was a kid. So, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and like we, we talked about it with Roderick too. It's that whole, it's that pushing things out quicker and all in one succession. It's that, it's that November through whatever <laughs> time frame where everything drops and beats and, you know, right. it's the, the publishers pushing for games to be put out before they're necessarily ready. And like, I have to say, I was getting worried, um, between the beta and launch for Anthem when I kept seeing all the stuff popping up that the, I really appreciate how transparent the, uh, dev team has been with a lot of stuff, especially on Twitter. They answer a lot of questions. They yeah. immediately, um, are talking about the updates that need to happen and stuff. They acknowledge bugs very quickly, which is great. Um, 
but there were so many things popping up right after the beta that you could see them being like, well, we hope to have that fixed in time for launch. And we're like, swear, <laughs> I'm dropping $60 on a game not. that you are currently acknowledging is not what it should be at launch. Like that's, that's, I'm glad they acknowledge it, but that's concerning as the Yeesh. consumer to hear that from the developers. Yeah, being yeah. Like, yep, our game is not going to be what it should be, but we're still going to give it to you. And you on top of that, we're going to do this weird staggered release where people are playing oh, it for like gosh. a week ahead of you and telling you all the stuff that's wrong with it. <laughs> Cause that's the other thing is like when you've got people playing on PC and then they're already finding all these problems, complaining about it. As a person who hadn't purchased it yet, I was like, okay, so I'm going to wait. <laughs> For sure. Like, it brings me back to when Andromeda came out and kind of the, the whole fiasco Andromeda had with uh, the mocap and the uh, the facial animations and the voice acting in that game. I, I was wondering for, for Brandon, how much input does a, a voice actor have within the development cycle of a game like that? Um, it might vary from game to game, but I don't think there's a lot. There's certainly room when you get a script, uh, especially if they're fresh, to be like, that just feels weird. Like, if, usually if the line is hard to memorize, it's not real well written or it's, you know, or it's meant to be bizarre. Um, so sometimes you can use instinct to help hone a line reading. Um, but for the most part, they want you to say, they have very specific reasons they want you to say what you're going to say. Um, especially with a game with the history like Destiny. Um, so not, not a ton. Really, that's the writer's jobs and they, they get paid full time to stress about it. But the <laughs> actors, the, the actors at least get in the moment. You're like, you're going to have to at least explain to me what the hell you're trying to get at with this because it doesn't make any sense coming out of my mouth. So there's some of that. Because yeah. it, it makes me remember in Andromeda that they had the line of, I'm sorry, uh, my face is tired. Like I just got memed to hell uh, <laughs> when that game came out. I and know. coming from Bioware, that is, they were so big into story and the voice acting and how it kind of all intertwined. Uh, it kind of made me worry a little bit about how the studio is doing in terms of almost felt like a lot of the performers were kind of phoned in. Oh, I mean, I don't know who was on that game, but <laughs> I think what Goku is saying is like, would you be able to save a game if uh, if you saw like some line just didn't make sense? <laughs> would you be able, able to, to like to be like, hey guys, this is kind of yeah, make sense. you know? Well, I mean, ultimately, you know, you go in and you're doing chunks of the game, so there may be something that's like making sense for this moment, and then down the line, it's like shit, we should have changed that a long time ago because that doesn't make sense for where we want to go. Mm-hmm. But you get a little rehearsal time beforehand where you can kind of, you know, lodge your complaints if you have any or questions about what's not making sense. If you feel like there's something that just, like if there was something that I feel like Aldrin Saab just wouldn't say. I have eight years with him, you know. It's like I, and although he's changing and things are happening a lot now, I think I could at least speak up and be like, I just don't, I don't believe that. Or I don't, you know, I think you're you're responsible for one character and that's that's your thing. Whereas for them, they're, you know, their minds are split between the entire story. So like, you're going to, you're going to have the ability to kind of focus on how yours would be compared to, they might kind of forget some of that realistically. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. You know, like uh, that line that Goku was talking about, mm-hmm. I feel like it was taken from 
somewhere else out of context and just add it as a response, you know, like a, like it wasn't meant to be there. And somebody was like, hey, we need to it was something copy pasted. Like, yeah. In. Yeah. Like they cut it out of like maybe like a longer, uh, like he, like something else was being said with context. And then they just took that little part and put it where it doesn't Are you belong. talking about the faces tired thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I I'm mean, thinking. it also could have just been, honestly, <laughs> these guys, some of them, I mean, it could be, could have been some sort of inside joke and the dude's like, that's making it into the game. Right. Okay. <laughs> it could be. very true. Yeah. But that has <laughs> Your face but is tired. What are you talking about? That's going into the game at some point. <laughs> yeah. And then but it you makes mentioned it that you, you record kind of chunks. How often do you record with other actors so you can act with uh, one another? Um, in the studio, uh, it's a little more rare. Uh, at least it has been on Destiny because most of my work has been done in the mocap studio. Okay. So in the, in the, in the recording studio, I should say, um, it's been more rare. I was in there with, um, Kirsten Potter who played the queen, uh, before Forsaken was released. We were in the studio together, but we weren't across from each other necessarily okay. giving lines like this. Um, she was in the room so that I could kind of give her, but usually they want to isolate those takes. Okay. Um, so if you're going to be in the room, you're going to be in separate booths. So you, the microphones aren't bleeding and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But in the mocap studio, it's all live. You know, it's all, there's a camera out here on a, on a rack and you've got a little microphone on your helmet and everything's being recorded live. So that's a little different experience. That's much more like film. Because it, it, it makes me think of uh, Batman, the animated series, how well Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy played against one another to do the Batman versus the Joker. Yeah. And it's you. I bet you from from episode to episode, it would vary. I bet you there's times where they couldn't get them both because these are a lot of them are working actors all over the world. You know what I mean? Doing doing different projects filming things and they can't get him in the studio at the exact same time. So they have to do separate things, but it it's exciting when you do finally get to be in, in the studio with somebody. It's there's something different. If you can look into somebody's eyes and say a line, it's much different than looking at a sheet of paper or into the void, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I took void in a totally different way. There, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought it was intentional. I'm like, huh? Oh, not what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> So how much of the script do you get? Like, is it just the parts that your character reads or do you actually have access to like the full script? No. Um, okay. They, yeah. They don't send us. Like, <laughs> I figured. Be gone. Like it, I did a small piece of the drifter stuff. Um, like we shot a couple things for this upcoming uh, and, and not as Aldrin. I was just like, I played the shadow of your or whatever, like across the table when in the poker game. Um, okay. I didn't do the voice stuff. I just did the mocap mm. stuff for him. Um, so, but you'd only get what you're involved in. It's if I'm playing a different character, if I'm doing motion capture for a different character, then I would get those scripts. Right. Most of the time I'm not seeing. In fact, there are times when I like in Forsaken, I was like, Oh, 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 this? Okay. I've never seen this before. I haven't heard this before, you know, like, so it's cool. It's cool. It's some of it's surprising. We, don't, we had a meeting, you go over the whole arc, you talk about what's going to happen in the story, but I don't get to see all of the scripts up front for every single cinematic that comes. Do, do they give you like a, 
I don't know how to put it in words. Like, uh, like the, in this scene, was it like they give you like this is the mental state that he's in? Because Aldrin was, uh, you know, uh, during Forsaken, he was uh, kind of under a trance. Yeah. So do they, they explain all that to you Forsaken. and all that stuff? And yeah, like, they do. That's, what do you do to uh, prepare for that? Matthew Ward, who's the director of the cinematic team. Um, he'll take you through it and he's like, and this is kind of what we're, you know, the body language we're after. He's, you know, trying to figure out what he was going through, what that felt like to be kind of under someone else's control, but then having moments of clarity. So there was like, you know, some schism, some splits and stuff happening. Um, but that's all you get a chance to at least talk about it. And then as a professional actor, you have to kind of just use your instincts and, and just start going. And every once in a while, I'll be okay. That I like, and you know, there'll be for one scene. There's 30 takes or whatever, 15 takes of of one scene, and they'll be marking triple X on that one, double X on that one, so that you can say this is the one I liked. What you did with your, you know, how you moved there, that seemed to make sense with the story. Do that again. So there's a lot of like, you have to just make choices right away, and then they'll they'll kind of hone it, and then you come out with a you know performance do you lend yourself often to other characters like motion capture like yeah yeah every once in a while they'll double us up you know for um you know i'll play a a freaking fallen drag or something you know just like just play something else that's in the room like a guard or um play a witch or play you know whatever they need for like for eye lines or for certain, you know, just to help the other actor, even if there's no lines, it helps give, uh, give the room some life if there's somebody else doing something. So yeah, I've had the chance to do, you know, a bunch of different characters in the game. It's been cool. I told the last interview that I did, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the last interview I did, I told, I told them that I, I was, I played the player. I did the motion cap cap for the player who ran over and like, Saw Cade Six dead. <laughs> oh, after wow. killing him as motion capture. Oh, so that's I really did, I did Aldrin, right? I know. <laughs> I like killed him as old, and then we, like a couple hours later, I'm the player who has to like go see Cade on the ground. <laughs> that is such like, bullshit. I- <laughs> <laughs> like I feel, I feel well, really upset by that. that. Well, I, mean, I gotta, I gotta I say, that. like that scene. Of him running towards Kate, it, it's it's gonna stick with me for like for a long time. You know what I mean? So even though it's you know just you running, it good job. It's like <laughs> it's one of my favorite things in the game. Yeah. My guardian worrying about Kate. You definitely captured the emotion in that scene. Yeah. I'm if sorry, I remember I you, uh... the same way ever again now though. Like I'm just like hold on, wait, what? <laughs> you can never unsee that. Like I don't trust my own guardian oh, now. Oh no. Well. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. If I remember you drink all along. I heard somewhere that you did the mocap for Spider as well, right? I did. Yeah. Oh, that's that was a fun wild. day. They had fun. me. In a, they had me in like a bat suit. You know, I had this like <laughs> half of a ball on my stomach, and then I was playing with like they had a Rubik's cube for part of it, and then they had like a an actual like fake little toy guard or little toy ghosts that I was playing with. Um. Yeah, it was fun. I really want behind-the-scenes video and pictures of this. No, I actually did get some as the spider. 
that I can put that I can post. I need to do. They gave us some um, stuff to put on our like demo reels and stuff like that. Yeah. So I have something that I need to post. I'll post those. I was going to ask you. So as because obviously you seem like a very nice guy <laughs> and playing, playing, playing a character who killed, I mean, to most people, like the most lovable character in the game. Yeah. Was that hard? Was that hard to do? Like, was it weird or was it just you were so in it that it... Uh, also, it how a... did it feel being the guy that everybody was going to suddenly really hate? I love that. <laughs> Are you kidding? That, as an actor, that's a dream come true. That's like <laughs> what you want is to for people to care at all yeah. that you exist. Yeah. So from being a marginalized kind of, you know, sassy bad man in the background, he's all of a sudden, he's like a, you know, a mm. central villain. It was it was really exciting. Of course, the I, I will say that that day that we um, that we filmed Cade dying, everyone in the room got emotional. Like mm. there were tears. Like it was a you know yeah. because you have to go there as a as a as an actor too. So at playing the guardian in that moment, I was like, yeah, I went there. It was hard. It was hard. You know, and Richard uh, who plays Cade, who does all the body work for Cade. Uh, or almost, you know, 99% of it. Um, he's a good pal of mine and he was selling the shit out of it. Oh. You know, <laughs> so he was just like coughing and sputtering in his eyes. You'd see it behind his eyes, just kind of the weakness and the sadness and the like, Jeez. uh, it was, yeah. So there, that's the thing is there's an actual actor that I can like look mm-hmm. at as opposed to Cade's kind of neck and face. It's like you get to see, you get to see like a story there and that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, how, how do you get, um, like what's your, uh, your route you're in for those that are interested in like, in specifically in like voice acting and stuff like that? Like what's, how, how, how do you get in with studios like that? Is a, a lot of is it typically agencies. just, yeah. So the studios will submit a breakdown saying we're looking for this type of voice send me your actors who have, you know, who are super low bases or who have a good, you know, animal growl, you know, it's, it could be a whole variety of things, but you'll have to have like a demo reel. I, I, my route in, like I said, was a little more on the theater side because I had to do the whole motion capture. That was a big part of my audition and, you know, kind of embody and they modeled him off me. So there was a different kind of, um, different take on how to hire the voice actors for this mm-hmm. particular role. But I would assume in a lot of the other cases, if they're not going with like a star voice something like that, um, they're looking for certain types of voices. They have ideas, then they'll send a breakdown and your agent should know what you can do. And then right. they submit you, you'll get a, a piece of copy with like four lines on it and you have to deliver it a couple different ways, send it back and hopefully you get the job. Right. So it's, um, Getting a demo reel together, you know, probably 700 bucks or something that we can go into a, there's probably people in your neighborhood, in your area that do it, that do voiceover reel demos. Um, so get that done, get an agent, then, uh, you know, see where it takes you. I don't know. <laughs> I would, you never know. Up. You never do know, man. So never know you... until you try. Cause this, so this is currently the, Destiny is currently the only like mocap and, uh, like voice acting specifically stuff that you've that done I'm doing so yeah. far, like right now, is, yeah. is that something that you want to definitely like even outside of destiny, keep 
doing? Like, is the mocap and voice acting stuff question. something you want to... Um, mocap, you know, I feel like... Well, that's not... Uh, I was going to say is a young man's game or whatever, but that's not completely true. It depends on the game. You know, when they want yeah. gravitas, when they want some, you know, then they're going to hire, they're going to hire somebody who can bring that. Cause a, a young teenage kid or whatever walking around is going to look a lot different than a 45 year old man walking right. around. Right. It just is. You carry yourself differently. You're weighted yeah. differently. Um, so uh, yeah, I think I would. I, I would like to, um, I haven't pursued it a ton. Just, I've been so busy with, Destiny's taking up all that kind of chunk of time. Mm-hmm. Theater, I'm doing, you know, I'm busy six days a week, you know, <laughs> like it's, it takes up a lot of time, but voiceover, I feel like I could do a little bit more on the side and, um, I just haven't pursued it as much as I maybe could. I don't know. We had a question in chat asking, what was it like for, uh, the change in voice actor for Gage? So going from Nathan Fillion to Nolan North. Yeah. I you know, he, Nolan freaking nailed it. I, he did a really opinion, good like, job. It was, a, it was amazing. Um, it didn't really make a difference. He, he stuck to, there was enough reference, I think, that he could copy kind of the, the cadence and the feel there. Um, the so it, for, yeah, the cadence, <laughs> but for, um, for those of us who had to like act to it, I don't think there was a lot of Richard would probably, Richard Sloniker could probably give you a better answer on that because he had to act to both of their, performances like and that's a little different too sometimes you'll get like for me i'm acting i'm doing my own performance but sometimes you know when i'm playing zavala i'm having to act to another guy's performance and so the way i move is different the way i breathe is different how i phrase things is totally different so i think it does make a difference but he's nolan north was he's pretty badass (laughs) he's really good at his job so you mocap for Zavala too? I was like, yeah. wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> News to us. <laughs> Zavala was one of the main ones that I've done in the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, what was the one where basically the fire team took center stage with Cade came to the fore, you know, Zavala and Ikora, like when all of their stories were explored, mm-hmm. I was mostly doing Zavala. Yeah. Uh, you talking about on the farm when they were all at the farm? Yeah, yeah. Did you? Was it you that punched the table? Yep, that was me. That was you. (laughs) That was awesome. Like, ooh, I like you. I took a picture of my finger, I think, at one point because I hit it so many times for so many takes that I got like a bruise on my knuckle. (laughs) Good scene. Wow, thanks, man. It's interesting to to see how you can act to someone else's lines, like Lance Reddick. Yeah, tremendous He's and it's so he has specific some gravitas so to him. The way and where he breathes and how he phrases. Yeah, the fact that he like stretches a commandos of Vala. I mean, it's like the, there's like so many uh things that he just does that are so different than how I would do it. See, what, and I'm what, having to make my whenever face I hear his character in uh, the the uh, the wire. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he talks just like it in that. Yeah. Too. yeah. Um, so do you look at the, do you ever look at like the way that the, the person who is voice acting the character that you're doing the movement for, do you base some of the movement off of like the voice actor 
as well, like how oh, they no. move at all, or just I completely have, based on the character? Yeah, just completely based on whatever character I can conjure from their performance, okay. hopefully. Yeah, just kind of guessing at that when When you do Zavala, do they put you on... Because he moves like he's wearing a big armor, so... Yes. Do they put something on you to kind of make you... They put... um. They give me a different pair of boots, which are a little stiffer. Yep, that's it. Yeah. And they wow. put that thing. They, they <laughs> the Velcro. That, uh, that they shoulder pad. So you know where, so you know where it is. It's awesome. <laughs> so that if I'm turning around to look at somebody and turn past it, or they're totally. like, well, that's not going to work. The camera's going to look like be yeah. right in his shoulder. So, yeah, they do that. That's funny that you asked that. Good question. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. It's all in the details. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, anybody else have any other uh, questions for Brandon before um, we move on to Goku's character analysis? I'm sure we're going to think. Ask priests or no? Yeah, uh, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to say? Oh, um, crap! What's a real line for? It? Somebody help me here. <laughs> don't don't put this all have on. Him read guys. Your, I'm your, only asking for all of us. Your, so <laughs> it's something totally not like Aldrin. Oh yeah. Some may say that Coconut LaCroix isn't the best, but I think it is. I think it's delicious. I think it's a tropical delight. And in the winter time, we could all use a little help, couldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, that was so know, good. So everybody knows I was Tim Aldrin the whole time. <laughs> well, we'll see where that puts you in the future. Uh, I don't know where. I honestly, it's going to be, it's fun. It's, um, like you said, they don't give me the scripts for the whole, you know, thing. So as far as what the future holds and, and now with Activision kind of out of the picture, um, it's like, no, how you really no, whatever. That was me. That's <laughs> Um, there's that kink in your neck again. I'm right? not saying that Activision didn't bring amazing things to the table, but what I can say is that there were just more cooks in the kitchen. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see what just the Bungie crew, where they take it. So I'm excited to see these next iterations are just going to be some old school shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'm Halo interested Day. to see what they're going to be doing with the character now that he's te- technically going to be a guardian. <laughs> And that's yeah. all we know. Like that's all we know. He's that's all back. I know too. That's it. Ugh. I know. I can't wait. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I have a question, but you probably can't answer it. But I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> With the guardians, when they get risen, they have, they lose their memory of their past self. So you, having played Aldrin and knowing everything that has happened, how are you going to be playing Aldrin now that he has no more memory of who he was? I mean, it depends on what they. Uh, Honestly, I'll, I'll confront that when I get into the room. Um, we're going to have to have long discussions about it. Like what, you know, and maybe there's some sort of schism because I was, you know, so infected with the dark. Like who knows what they're going to do? Because it's um, almost going to be a, a different character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Upbeat instead He's going to have the same voice box shadow. and everything, but he might not remember that he needs to be a dick all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, <laughs> he's going to he's going to be who knows? He'll be enjoying some coconut LaCroix. Absolutely, <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> now, we're doing the voice and every, voice voiceover work and everything like that, but you just got done doing Rock of Ages. And yeah. 
from seeing every you had so much fun doing that. Oh my god. Yeah. It's I mean, it was it was LA in the eighties and you get to wear I mean, just the craziest shit. And I had long blonde hair that was like bleached and full of beer and who knows what else <laughs> and cocaine and <laughs> I mean, I'm imagining this rock star from the 80s, like he's, he's all, all systems go at all times and anything goes. So that was it's just fun to kind of jump into that skin from night to night, get to live that out. It energizes you. It's fun. Yeah. Characters can stick with you. Um, and depending on, you know, good or bad, you're either wanting to wash them away or keep wearing them. So Aldrin. Um, Aldrin. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, if Rock of Ages ever comes to New York, I'm going to come down and watch. Dude, I recommend it. And here's the thing. If it happens in the winter anywhere near you and you're feeling bad, go see that show. I'm not kidding. It seems like it shouldn't be as good as it is just because it's full of like white snake songs and whatever poop jokes. But it is Dude, poop really. jokes. I'm in <laughs> poop that's jokes and humor. white snake. Let's go. So, yeah. So it's like, forget about all the stuff that's happening on CNN and everything else that's happening for a minute and just go and sing and dance and be an idiot and have fun. Um, it's a good, it's a good time. My next, the next show I'm doing, speaking of poop jokes, uh, is called urine town. Like urine. I've heard of this. Yes. Yeah. Like pee. Yeah. It's a place where they, they've had, you know, it's an alternate future where there's a, a 20 year drought and they have to control the water supply and this and that. And then you end up having to pay. You can only go to a public toilet. They have to regulate when you pee and you have to pay to pee. There's your show. So I play the lead cop in that show, Officer Lockstock. That's coming up. I'll be playing through the spring. So totally new role. I get to <laughs> inhabit. It's fun. I'm so when you do your theater stuff, like I'm assuming you actually do, do you do like the traveling, um, like performances Not, or are you based purely like in normally in like one location to do the I show? I try to as much as I can stay in one location. Okay. Um, there's a lot of work up here in Seattle because we were talking about people being holed up for the, you know, in the rain <laughs> and the winter and stuff like right. that. It's like a lot of people will go to the theater. That's why there's a lot yeah. of coffee shops. There's a lot of bookshops and there's a lot of theater because people, that's the only way they can get that's out. That's why Starbucks was born. That's right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I go where the work is though. Like last year I was in New York and Florida and, you know, so if, if a job offer is made across the country, depending. I'll go, but I don't do the tours as much. It's okay. just hard. I was asking because, like, we have like near me, like half an hour away, we get a lot of like the Broadway shows the come tours. and perform at the PAC here. Yeah. And I was like, dude, if you're going to be in one, <laughs> oh <laughs> right, yeah, come <laughs> nice. Uh, now I was supposed to go on with Bronx Tale. I was supposed to go on tour, um, and they talked to me about the Aladdin tour, but it just timing wise, yeah. you know, with my family, it's a it's a hard life out on the. You know, you don't get to see your family very much and all that stuff. So, awesome. yeah. Um, but, uh, Goku, why don't you take us through your, uh, your character analysis? Sure. Uh, so this week, rather than uh, going through uh, a poll that we do every uh, single episode, I decided to do a character that, uh, I've been looking up on for work, uh, the, uh, the Hulk metaphor. And decided to do a deep dive with the Incredible Hulk. 
Um, Good luck. <laughs> there is quite a lot of information, and I'm going to uh, truncate a lot of the information just because there's, like I mentioned, just so much. If you want a uh, deeper dive into the character, I highly recommend um, another podcast called uh, Capes on the Couch. Uh, they do uh, really good breakdowns. They're mental health focused as well, uh, with a psychiatrist, uh, there. Uh, so I highly recommend, um, their podcast and they have an episode on, on the Hulk. The Incredible Hulk, um, Dr. Robert Bruce Banner, um, is the Mr. Hyde and, uh, Dr., uh, Dr. Deckel and Mr. Hyde. A uh, green monster of an alter ego, the Incredible Hulk, are characters created by the late and great Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in 1962. Mm-hmm. So Hulk's been around for a while. Uh, first released in May of 1962 with the Incredible Hulk issue one, the character we now know as being green was first slated to be um, gray by Stan Lee, as he wanted the character not to represent any particular ethnic group. Our due uh, to the difficulties with the coloring process, uh, colorist uh, Stan Goldberg had uh, really a lot of difficulties with the gray, kind of having different shades of gray, and they eventually um, settled on him being green. Hmm. Uh, he, I think he turned green in the second issue moving forward, but they did some throwbacks to Hulk being gray, uh, with uh, a couple of iterations of the Hulk. Uh, the Hulk has had multiple different iterations over the years, like many comic book characters. Uh, while comics present a, uh, they have a more expansive lore for the character, uh, the analysis is kind of going to be a mix between the origins of the Hulk within comics and within the MCU, which is all part of the Marvel multiverse. Uh, The MCU is Earth-199-999, and the comics are part of Earth-616. As a child, uh, Bruce grew up a lot of info with comics. Just ignore me, it's fine. (laughs) I won't, no matter how much you explain, I won't understand. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, Comics are confusing. True. As a child, uh, Bruce grew up being a very shy, introverted genius. He was also abused by his father growing up and saw his father murder his mother in front of his eyes. Despite the abuse, Bruce used his high-level intellect to accumulate a total of seven PhDs. Um, one of his main areas of study was the effects on of gamma radiations on humans, uh, with his love interest named Betty Ross, which is the daughter of the Army General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. I'm I'm sure, Goku, when you finish your PhD, you're like, you know what? I should do this six more times. One's enough. <laughs> yeah. One's enough. I, I, I tip my hat to him. Uh, the movies changed the origin of the Hulk a little bit. Uh, rather than being exposed to a gamma bomb, like in the comics, uh, he was exposed to kind of gamma radiation that he used on himself uh, to... 
but I still prefer the comic version where um, during a gamma bomb test, uh, Bruce went out to save a teenager named Rick Jones from the blast. And with the radiation, Bruce was transformed uh, into the green-raged filled monster, the Hulk. And this was all fueled by Bruce's inner turmoil that I'll uh, discuss a little bit later. When Banner transforms, after being enraged, the Hulk tends to go on a raged-filled rampage. However, his purpose is uh, not really to smash everything in sight, but to protect himself. Uh, Hulk is constantly being hunted by General Ross in order to capture and study and reverse engineer the Hulk. Um, the original comic, uh, the Hulk was cancelled after only six issues. He guest starred in a number of crossovers later and became a founding member of the Avengers. And mm. then the, the comics took off again. Uh, the Hulk has many interesting story arcs that have changed and defined the character. The character, uh, one of my favorites being Planet Hulk. Uh, in the movies, it's kind of inspired uh, Thor Ragnarok. In 1985, we saw kind of the biggest piece of Hulk lore, which is where writer uh, Bill Mantlo defined Bruce's trauma childhood. Uh, which I previously mentioned in, in The Incredible Hulk, issue 312. The trauma led to a possible split in personality, even before the gamma bomb, which amplified Bruce's already pent-up rage. This also led to the creation of a number of other variations of the Hulk that I just don't have time to go into. When it comes to a psychological profile of the Hulk, uh, many diagnoses come into mind, such, such as post-traumatic stress disorder, dissociative identity disorder, and intermittent explosive disorder. For IED, Hulk get that is... Nachos. <laughs> Taco Bell nachos. Nacho <laughs> Bell grande. <laughs> and now I'm hungry. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. There was a poop joke in there, and I was like, that's my time. That's my jam. <laughs> For IED, uh, Hulk is being fueled by rage. As such, it's easy to see how it could fit within IED. Within the APA, uh, IED is defined as a recurrent behavioral outburst represent a failure to control aggressive impulses. Kind of defines the Hulk, doesn't it? However, we also need to factor in why the Hulk is so angry. Apart from the whole trauma he's going through, he's constantly being hunted by the U.S. government, giving weight to his paranoia of always being followed and always needing to self-protect. The Hulk functions on pure cortisol, and his endocrine system is in overdrive, which is which makes him um, possible of limitless power potential and classifies him as a omega being. When we look at DID, this is the one that's very interesting. Uh, it's also called multiple personality disorder, and it's still very debated as a diagnosis in the scientific. It's a diagnosis that's uh, not given lightly uh, and without a thorough investigation. 
The diagnosis, however, is very Hollywoodized due to its complexity and the potential for uh, interesting stories. You can uh, see, for example, the movie Split uh, amongst a whole bunch of others that uh, portray that diagnosis. There are very few documented cases of DID when compared to other mental health disorders, and most professionals will go an entire career without having a case of DID. Uh, it is correlated to form following severe uh, childhood trauma when several separate entities with uh, distinctive behaviors and mannerisms will completely take over uh, the control of the individual's body. It can cause significant distress for the individual, and they never know when the other will take control, and they are unable to control the other's actions, which is very much what Bruce Banner goes through when the Hulk comes out. Again, like I mentioned, I'm not going to deep dive in the comics. Uh, there are parts where Bruce controls the Hulk, and that's a, a whole another separate conversation. Uh, with IED and DID, uh, we see Banner ultimately isolate himself from society in order to protect everyone from his uncontrolled behavior. Um, in his isolation, he practices calming techniques and mindfulness in order to control the savagery inside. Uh, he will sacrifice and suffer so that others may be saved from the possibility that he may eventually hurt them. Uh, again, I'll refer everyone to go listen to Capes on the Couch if they want a even bigger deep dive into the character. They did a really good job on it. Was was that a, um, a recent episode? Uh, it was back in December. Oh, okay, uh, they cool. did a, a two-part collaboration with uh, Popcorn Psychology. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh, so they did an episode with uh, the Hulk in the comics, and then they did an episode with Popcorn Psychology being uh, the Incredible Hulk, which is the um, uh, Edward Norton, Norton version, not the right, Eric right, right, Bana yeah. version. So the question, I mean, uh, did they combine, did they make Bruce Banner and the Hulk the same they're analyzing the same person there, or are they saying the Hulk is an entity on its own? Because I was like, if the Hulk stops being angry, he stops being the Hulk. The Hulk, if I understood him right, you know what I mean? But yeah. that's a very, very basic mm -hmm. understanding of the Hulk. So, like, so if he's Hulk, not angry, then he's not the Hulk. Uh, the Hulk that we know is called the Savage Hulk which is that pure rage. And there's also other variations like uh, the professor where it's the uh, raw seer's strength of the Hulk and Bruce Banner's intellect. Yeah, let's but do that. The, the oh, story I that I mentioned, the, <laughs> the, the story I mentioned, which is Planet Hulk, uh, it happened, I think, was before the Civil War run in the comics where uh, the Hulk was sent off planet to another planet called Sakaar, where he lived uh, as a gladiator. And, right, 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 right. Yeah. And he stayed within the Hulk. Right. And one he thing was able within to control it, and then he actually had, in that scene, he'd like have other emotions, doubts, and he'd be kicking rocks a little bit, and he'd be teasing people. So there mm -hmm. was like, yeah. And Interesting. That's important because the Hulk that we typically know is very childlike. Right. 
very reactive. He's very limited in the amount of interactions and words that he knows. His favorite being Hulk smash. <laughs> but within World War Hulk, you see Hulk mature, being able to form uh, more coherent sentences. So the Hulk that comes out, it's almost like he's a toddler. I was going to say very adolescent, like uh, just his body language and the way he carried himself and the tantrums Brandon, you know, brought up, you know, he'd throw a tantrum, this and that. And uh, yeah, I I don't want to get into how many different variations of the Hulk there is because there's quite a bit. Yeah, there's quite a bit, but it kind of lends itself to the, the DID and DID typically happens to protect the, the host uh, personality from uh, the, the trauma that they go through. Um, I, I have a book that I haven't completely read uh, called When the Rabbit Howls. And it's a recounting of someone that suffers from DID uh, that had about a hundred different personalities with Ooh. And within that, the original uh, personality just got lost. I don't know mm-hmm. if anyone has seen the the movie Split. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Okay. Oh, and they just uh, released Glass not long ago. And right, yeah. it tied in within the, the Unbreakables um, uh, environment. But Split kind of shows, again, a very Hollywoodized uh, version of D.I.D., but you can see how someone suffers. And within treatment, it's always trying to uh, s- understand the new personality and how to reintegrate it back into that original host. And within the Hulk, it's trying to help the Hulk and Banner almost be at peace with one another. I find it interesting, too, that, like, so, you know, like, obviously, if, if it is DID, as far as the Hulk goes, Mm-hmm. or Hulk slash Banner, whatever, however we're going to refer to him, that <laughs> um, his initial split may have occurred due to the trauma. Mm-hmm. But instead of it seeming to be triggered later on by something that is scary to him, it's when it's something threatening to somebody he cares about rather than protecting himself. Like Hulk comes out when when he needs to be there to... At least in the, I guess the, the, the more recent Marvel movies, it, it's, it seems to be more of a protective for other people he cares for, not about himself. Like, like we've talked about, like, like you said, he, he would sacrifice himself for other people. The um, Hulk comes out when his endocrine system goes haywire. And, and we all have that type of reaction. Uh, we can use the term hulking out. And we use the example hulking out with kids when they get so angry. And I talked already about the emotional and rational balance. When it starts to flip, you're you're completely running on emotion. And the Hulk completely runs on emotion. It's cortisol, adrenaline, and the adrenal system just going haywire. Is it possible to have that same kind of reaction but not in like a angry way like is it possible for other people to have that same system go haywire but have it come out in like a, a different emotion mm-hmm. being like the because i'm pretty sure i have that sometimes but yeah, it's not well, i don't get angry like that but i get like like either like like i'm just crying right like yeah. just like that that stiff just like there's no <laughs> well it's the fight or flight response the hulk is pure fight 
For some people that suffer from significant anxiety, it's going to be pure flight to remove themselves from situations that cause them stress or pain, and for some people, they'll freeze. Yeah. So I need, like, a name that's, like, opposite of Hulk for when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if that, the whole, you guys were talking about DID or the, this kind of the schism, their personalities, if that's, like, the ultimate flight. You know, they can't fight. It's the ultimate flight is to leave yourself, to mm-hmm. leave your consciousness. But, but the DID, it's creating someone that can do something they could not. So for Banner, it's creating the Hulk that is strong and powerful that could defend against his father's abuse, whereas puny Banner, as the the Hulk would say, could not. I see a lot of times when you hear about people with DID, they've got like, a lot of them will have that fight um, personality, Mm -hmm. Um, but they'll also have like, um, like the childlike. Persona will kind of be separated too because that's the one that's like almost more being protected than the yeah. original host is. Yeah, the, the stunted um, growth. Yeah, so it's almost interesting because with like with with Hulk, it's almost like those two got combined. They never got like that additional. It's like he didn't mm. need more splits to occur. Mm. He just needed that protective, but the mm-hmm. the childlikeness stayed with that protective character too, which I find interesting. Mm. But with the Hulk, he was essentially born with that gamma bomb with the the savage hulk we just see him being an infant and the more he matures the more he goes through the toddler phase and then goes into the the preteen phase so we see world war hulk hulk is kind of a preteen he's not very elegant but he's more mature than savage hulk for DID, like, I know a lot of times, like, per, like the, the different splits can occur over time, obviously. Like, they can be kind of created later on to, yeah. to deal with different things. But the initial one, is it generally a very sudden... I mean, I'm sure it's really hard to study because a lot of times it's not something that they're probably talking about the moment it happens. No, like, it, it's, it's something very hard. And like I mentioned, it's something very debated. Right. Uh, a lot of people question the validity of... DID, if it's really real, if it's not, just because it's it's hard to quantify. Right. I think it's, I think, like, at least as an outsider to it, to, it's that issue of, like, how do you know that there's something actually causing that split to a level of, of, of identifying it as that versus a coping mechanism that could be controlled otherwise. Like, you know what I mean? Because, like, often when we talk about DAD, it's one of those, like, well, this is just how this person is. They're split. There's no bringing that back together often. At least, in, in again, in media, that's a lot of the okay. times the way that it's portrayed. With DAD in a clinical sense, when we look at a different personality, they are completely different entities uh, within one body. So what's going to happen is the original person's mannerisms will change. Yeah. If you ever want, it's really interesting. Like, again, I don't know if I, like, I, I'm not going to say either way, whether I believe or not, because it's not really my place to state about somebody else's, especially as a non-professional. Um, but it's very interesting when you see um, whether it's, true or not on youtube there's a lot of a lot more people who have been posting um their experiences with did and showing their switches occur on camera and 
Uh, I mean, either, either, I mean, one, it's just, it's freaky to watch. Like it is mm-hmm. bizarre to see how different somebody can become. Um, when the they have a switch. going to change, the way they hold themselves is going to change. What they want to wear, the way they used to do their hair, like the, even just like the way that they're, so like you'll have these people who do vlogging and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll have a switch and literally the way that they like go up, like their person, like the style of vlogging suddenly changes mm-hmm. and everything too. Like just the way they approach, um, their channel and, uh, either, either, either it's definitely happening to some people or they're some of the world's most amazing actors, honestly. <laughs> like, cause it's, it's a lot going on in, in one body. Uh, I've read a case something. study uh, that someone, their handwriting, cause we all have mm-hmm. specific handwriting signatures. Uh, their handwriting changed. The way they form their G's and their H's and their A's changed when they switched between Hmm. Brain. It's one of those ones, like, like you know, like certain things, like when, you, especially something you don't experience yourself, when you think too deeply about certain mental health issues, it's like it really starts to mess with your brain. You're like, like trying to comprehend living with mm-hmm. that is just, it, it's something my brain just, it doesn't even want to go there. Oh, you know, like oh, it can't no. and it doesn't want to even try to process that. They suffer because they suffer from amnesia. Every time they switch, that section, if it's an hour mm. or five hours, gone. Wow. I mean, we talked about, like, I, I mean, you guys know I get little weird versions of that with the dissociative stuff. So mm. having a full loss of time. So it, it's almost you. like you're going to sleep constantly. Mm. Scary. Yeah. Sad. I, mean, I feel again, bad we, for Hulk. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, again, if you look at the heart of the character... The Hulk just wants to be left alone. The Hulk, yes, he's a hawking monster of rage, but he just wants to be at peace. I mean, Coconut LaCroix, really. <laughs> <laughs> Would you? Paradise in a can, whatever the hell he said earlier. <laughs> Would you say Tyler? From Tyler. Club? Which one? Oh, yeah. Tyler Fight Club. Uh, from Fight Club. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Don't Spoilers. talk about fun. <laughs> oh, jeez. But a, that um, would be DID, yeah. There's a really good, I mean, this is going to kind of ruin the book. I, I shouldn't say this this way, but, um, there's a book called Three, um, that, that deals with, um, DID, uh, where basically the, the whole time, like, as the, as the reader, you're reading about, like, the main character, and then you're also reading about this, um, this, basically like serial killer-ish type character who is coming after the main character. And then there's also this girl that the main character is interested in. And in the end, you end up finding out they're all one person just splits. But like, it does such a good job of like the whole book. You ruined the book. I know. No, it's Spoiler. There's no way to tell somebody to read that book. Yeah. Explain anything about it. You have to just be like, trust me, go read it. Like I, you can't tell about it at all. But like, that's it was cool, almost like when I finished reading it, I was up for like two hours after I was like partially shaking from reading it because I was just like, no way. Like, <laughs> I just got like, massive. I just bought that yesterday. Thanks, Belle. I, I gave up, I gave up impulsive purchases for Lent. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys should go read it. It's still very well done, even if you know what. Actually, I would, I'd be curious to see what it's like going into it knowing. And seeing where you well, can... We don't have any choice now, do we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Another good one, uh, like I, like I mentioned, is uh, When the Rabbit Howls. It's a r- recounting of her therapist's session uh, with that particular. Oh, wow. Let's just spoil all the books. Tarvader <laughs> was Luke's father. <laughs> you son of a Spoiler. bitch. Spoiler. Oh, wait, wait, okay, question, question for you guys. How does he say that line in the movie? When he, when he, when no, he. No, I am your father. Thank you. See, you know, but everybody remembers it as Luke. I am your father. That's how everybody always quotes it, but that's wrong. And I, I've been going down the, the, the rabbit hole of, um, conspiracy. Yes, conspiracy stuff from Shane Dawson, and and and, and that was one of them. <laughs> They're very entertaining I, videos. Oh yeah. <laughs> I only say it that when I'm talking into a box fan. That's the only right. time. I say it. <laughs> it's total Chris Farley. Oh, it's totally exactly. Blue. It's so fun. <laughs> okay, before you move on from the Hulk, who does everybody think will win between the Hulk and Superman? Quick answer, no explanation. Hasn't it been done? Isn't there a movie of that, or is there not a movie? Yes. But it, it was inconclusive. I've seen like so many of those the dumb Hulk versus whoever Who animated win? things. Like, <laughs> who do I want to win? To win or wait, a, hold on. Who, who do you think you? Is there win? is there kryptonite like available to Hulk? Because if there's kryptonite <laughs> around and Hulk can grab it, then Superman's going down. I don't like I crossing guess, universes here, Dave. I'm I'm really I'm not comfortable. I guess this is not a the thing with the Hulk. The thing with the Hulk is. His power hasn't been measured because it's pretty limitless. It's limitless. That's 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 Ever exactly are. what that's I always right. say. Again, like, comics. The Hulk will win because the more angrier he gets, the stronger he's gonna get. But is he completely? Is he completely like unbreakable? Like, you weren't he, given an explanation. He has a healing factor. And <laughs> like I, like if, if Superman used his lasery eyes at the Hulk, you telling me that would not damage the Hulk? It will burn him, and he'll be angrier. Once. And then <laughs> get stronger. Does he heal? He doesn't like, heal. So isn't there a point where eventually the like fight part of fight or flight would just not uh, like his I body mean, wouldn't be able to physically keep up at some point, right? I, mean, I, don't, I think that Superman would just know. need to make him really happy, and then he'd probably just <laughs> then punch him Here, really hard. Have some ice cream. <laughs> I mean, have some coconut Lacroix, and all of a sudden kill he's him like, with I'm kindness. <laughs> Regardless, Hulk Superman debate. I think we can all agree. That She Hulk would beat the ever living uh, shit. Hell <laughs> <laughs> hath no fury and a woman scorned. <laughs> but, um, Goku, thank you for picking an awesome character. This is very cool. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in a Hulk storyline, I highly recommend, uh, like I mentioned, Planet Hulk. I'll check it out. Absolutely. Um, but. What a shock we rambled. Because <laughs> we never ramble. What are you talking about? No. I just um, want to point out it was not me this time. Okay. I want some credit here. <laughs> That's very suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> She's giving herself credit. Yeah. Just accept it. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> you don't have to agree with it. Just accept it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps us up. <laughs> No, but um, it's getting late. But um, again, Brandon, th- thank you so much uh, for joining us. Yes. And we hope we, we, yes, we hope you will um, you would be open to joining us in the future. Yeah, man. You know, I, can I just say before I go that I'm um, I just 
one of the reasons I decided to come on your show is because mental health is so close to my heart. I mean, I was on mm -hmm. medication myself for about 10 years. Um, this is going on 20 years ago that I was medicated, but it was like I, I had gone through some trauma in my life. And, you know, my brother currently, um, I don't know if he's listening to this right now, but he's, you know, he's dealing with some things that are, that are, you know, it's like, it's such a complex place, the brain. And for it to, for, for you to get sick there or to have a problem there is so difficult to, to deal with because it affects so many people and it affects so many parts of your life. So it's something that I take very seriously. And so I applaud all of the work that you guys are doing and the fact that you are, Hey, we're a community of people. Let's talk about this. It affects the gaming community in a very specific way that you guys, you know, are tapping into and trying to reach out to, to people who can feel isolated. So I just, you know, I applaud you. I, and I, I, I'm honored to be on your show and to have, you know, brightened a day or to whatever. I mean, we were talking about a whole gamut of things, but it was like, it's, it's really nice to be with you guys and, and to be able to, to, to let, and to put it out there and to say that, Hey, you're not alone. I mean, it, it's, there's no shame in, in being sick, you know, and having something wrong. It's like, it happens to all of us on different levels. So it's like, you know, um, we've all dealt with it, whether it's a family member, because that can affect you more than even sometimes your own maladies, you know? So thank you so much. And, and like, it's yeah. like we were, um, talking about like before, um, we were broadcasting before we started recording is like, you know, our message is simple. It's okay to talk about it. And, um, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay yeah. not to be okay. And like, you can be heard. I mean, and that's, that's, that's half of the, the, the stigma of it is like, well, no one wants to listen to me, you know, going through whatever issues you're going through, whether it's anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, what, whatever you're going through, there's, I, cause I know I've dealt with, you know, all three of those things, uh, suicide attempts, lifelong anxiety, depression, all of it, like in your mind when you're going through is like, the, you feel the alone idea, with everything that's going on. The, the idea of not being alone, the like the, the the only constant companion that you can fathom is your malady. Um, you know that's you know why we you know that's that's our goals are very simple. It's that it's okay to talk about it and you can be heard. Absolutely. Um, and and there is help out there, no matter who you are where you live, what your socioeconomic status is, it touches everyone. Um, I, mean, I think that's is, great. That's a part of the work that you guys are doing as far as like for certain types of organizations or charities, you're bringing awareness that these things exist, whether it's in your neighborhood or not. But the, because that's one of the biggest problems with, with our, the stuff that I'm dealing with now is like, I run out of options for where to go, what to do, how, who can help. You know, we've tried everything, you know, so it's like there's always new treatments coming out, new discoveries being made. And so as, as much light can be brought to all of that, the better. So good on you. Well, well speaking about a new development, um, th there's something that just came out month uh, regarding uh, chronic severe depression. There's right. a new treatment coming out uh, regarding ketamine nasal sprays. <laughs> 
freaky. It's scary. So and weird. The way that they work, typical antidepressants take about four to eight weeks to start working, whereas the nasal nasal spray will kind of work almost immediately. Start working when someone has severe suicidal ideations. They can kind of use them in the ER to help bring them back. That's wild. Yeah. And it just That'll got FDA approval. Right. Well, yeah. That I means mean, it went through a lot of tests, but it'll be interesting to see how it'll, you know, affect a wide body of humans yeah. with all yeah, the and I, chemicals. I, I, I think their thought process for that is similar. Like when, um, you know, here in the U.S. and Canada, you see, you know, police officers and law enforcement officers started carrying around tourniquet kits on their belts. I think they, they kind of had that same. Uh, thought process for that mm -hmm. as far as like just having that needleable. So well, it's almost we, like the, them using Narcan for uh, mm -hmm. opioid addiction, um, right. overdoses. Right. One of the things that I see more too is, um, you know, when, when you see somebody who has like a common, uh, physical, what we consider like a physical ailment, um, and it's something that might, you know, like say something were to happen to them, um, they'll wear like a medical, ID bracelet kind of thing to mm -hmm. alert people to it. Um, I'd like to see more of an emphasis on that idea for mental health as well, because, um, you know, like you guys are talking about like having this, you know, having people, um, carrying around the nasal spray, um, you know, how are they going to know if you're in that? Cause like having been a person who like, when it comes to like my dissociative stuff, right. I'm not always in a state of mind where I can explain what I deal with. And it may appear to be something completely different than what I'm dealing with. Whereas I wonder, like, if people started to wear um, something that alerted, you know, if, if if a professional was needed to be called for a situation, um, mm. just so they know, you know, so that I'm not right. being like misdiagnosed in the moment of what's actually happening to me, uh, you know. <laughs> the 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 good thing about the uh, Health Care Act that passed a few years ago is that that's one of the things that. Um, health insurance companies are like are required. So like if, if, if you're going to a hospital and like, you know, one of the two major forms of identification is going to be your driver's license. And um, if you have it, your health insurance card, and when they pull up your health insurance card, it shows all of your, it basically shows a profile mm -hmm. of your health. Basically, you know, it could say, you know, if you have diabetes, it'll say right there. If you have a heart condition, if you have high blood pressure, it's right there. But part of the law is that you can actually call your health insurance and tell them, you know, I want this added to my profile. Mm -hmm. And if, 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 if what you have, I'm not saying whether you're diagnosed with it or not, but if it is, there's something that, that is registered. Is it, if as, a formal as, diagnosis is made a, with a, a medical professional report, Right. Yeah. I mean, and you can have them put it right. You can say, Hey, I suffer from clinical depression. I suffer from epilepsy. I suffer from sleep apnea. You can have them put it on there. That way, if, if you're ever in the emergency room, it, it's similar as them knowing you have an allergy to. Right. Right. Cause like, I, that's something I worry about. Sometimes. Like if I had a medical thing, like a physical medical thing happen. And then my anxiety kicks in because of that. And they have no freaking clue. I deal with that. Like that's a whole nother level of like <laughs> stuff right. that would be right. happening to a person, you know, that they're, um, and I also think part of it's, it is breaking down that stigma of that, like, you know, us just like, I, I really like Brandon, when you were talking about mental health, uh, you know, referring to it as that you are sick talking about that element of like that, that instead of separating 
physical ailments or physical diseases from mental diseases that, you know, they, they do, they affect each other, first of all, and, and that they are equally important and, and, and equally, um, destructive, you know, yeah. like that, that we, we need to stop splitting them as one is like more significant than the other. And I think a lot of a lot of the reasons why a lot of people do it, it's because physical ailments are visible. Mm-hmm. You break your leg, you get a cast, people can see it. You have cancer, you go through chemo, people can see it. You suffer from depression, you feel anxious, you have trauma, people don't really see it. Also because you sometimes get really good at not showing it. Yeah. Get very good at hiding it. And... A lot of people still have that idea of, oh, well, you're anxious. Well, just don't sweat the small stuff. Or just you're sad. More and you'll be just, happy. It, it, it's, it doesn't work that way. Right. Because if it but, did, you guys, you're going to see how much I freaking giggle and smile, okay? <laughs> <It's a lot>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are aware. But, um, but again, Brandon, uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the kind of words. We really do appreciate it. Um, but, um, before we do our boring nonsense, um, where can people get in touch with you or catch up with, um, your latest projects and stuff like on social media and whatnot? Um, on Facebook, I have a, a Brandon O'Neill actor Facebook page. So you can follow me on there. I try to post when my shows are going on and how to get tickets and if there's any deals. Um, Instagram is Brandon O'Neill official, uh, and, uh, Twitter, I think is <laughs> my Twitter is running like Brandon O'Neill, but my, the, the L's in my name are, are ones. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon underscore O'Neill with one says, thank you. <laughs> Thank you life. for telling Brandon his Twitter handle. Oh, shut up. Well, it's a fairly <laughs> new... I had to change it because it was just annoying. Like, what I had on there was annoying before, so I just changed it. And I was like, oh, well, that's a little more concise, but now I can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. looked it up for the flyer. Oh, nice. Thank it's you, fresh. It's fresh Who in made my, that, in my mind. Way? Who made that little... Dave did. I put it together. Yeah, bro. On his phone. He makes those on his phone. Badass. That's awesome. He does all of our shirts and on his phone. (laughs) Golly. He takes a lot of bathroom breaks at work, so I think (laughs) (laughs) they're on to me. Yeah, if you guys are ever up in Seattle, look me up, man. I'll get hook you up with the ticket if I'm doing a show or be fun to see ya. Looks like I'm going to PAX West this year. <laughs> oh, no shit. We're working on it. You but, guys, uh, got, I got to get there. I, that's what I want to do. I want to do, you know, they got to invite me to one of those cons so that I can, like. We need a Guardian Con. Right? Because we need Aldrin at Guardian Con. It's just kind we of. We do. Well, they've invited, <laughs> they invited me one year, um, but it's just a matter of timing and, mm-hmm. you know. Everything. And that so, Florida air that you don't want to breathe in. In June or whenever. <laughs> and but, it's Fourth Fourth of July, Pax we get up the road. Pax West, yeah. man. But um, awesome. Um, thank you all for joining the project this week. You can reach us on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, Facebook, all the places. Just search uh, Project Guardians. You'll find us on there. We have an awesome Discord, uh, which is pinned on our Twitter. It's also uh, on our website, uh, projectguardians.org. Awesome mental health resources, a bunch of mental health professionals in there. Just an awesome accepting community. And, um, that's always there. There's always someone. We have people in all different parts of the world. So someone's always up. <laughs> uh, you can someone's catch us. there somewhere. 
Exactly. You can listen to us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for uh, St. 14 Project Podcast and you'll find us on there. Um, Dr. Goku, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me pretty much everywhere at SSJ5Goku28, uh, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, on YouTube, on a side note, I mentioned that I'm going to be doing some videos. Um, the first one's going to be coming up pretty soon. Uh, edit's almost done, and I have a couple more lined up to start recording in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out for those, and hopefully we'll be able to post them on our website as well. Awesome. Uh, Dave, uh, what's the link for your MySpace and your GeoCities page? GeoCities. It's at Dave everywhere and everywhere <laughs> in the internet. Uh, I'm signed up for way too many things. And you'll find me. I'm the only Hatchy Dave. It's it's good when I can get Joe to hide behind his mic. <laughs> I feel like I've achieved something. I'll wait for him. Belle, where can people find you? Uh, Make it awkward. Oh, awkward. <laughs> Belle Bunny, pretty much everywhere. And if it doesn't show up correctly, put ones instead of L's because a couple of people were mean and stole my name before I got it. That's about it. Yeah, it, all, all, all the Koopa will just make L's ones, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, get with it. <laughs> get yeah. an L in your name. Speak, right? <laughs> Brother Joe, where can people Twitter at AverageJoe227 and about 948 different Discord channels. <laughs> and on our website, Project Guardians. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, I'm Sentinel Dad, also known as Alex. You can catch me anywhere, everywhere. Sentinel Dad on Twitter. There's an extra D on the end. Twitch, Instagram, all the places. Uh, but again, thank you all for joining the project this week. Be good to yourself, be good to each other, and remember, you are not alone. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Have a good week.